The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Woke up this morning, gut myself a cow. Hey gang, Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow, yes! We are back for another episode this week. BJ Mendelson takes on the critic's darling, Mad Max Fury Road. What did we think? Find out. Before we get to it, remember, hey, subscribe to us on YouTube. Please, getting closer to demonetization, that helps out with the bills. And if you want to advertise with us, well, you know the drill. Or just to say hi. Hey, guys, what's up? Guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Lastly... We're looking for ideas for Patreon. What would you guys be interested in having us put on our Patreon page and you throwing a few bucks away to get that? Hit us up. Tweet us GTSC Podcast. Without any more delay, here's BJ Mendelson doing Mad Max Fury Road. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. Clever girl. Kevin Israel, name that film. Silence of the Lambs. No. No. It's one of your favorites. I know that. Give you a hint. We did it on this very podcast. Well, that, well that's a hundred options. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred. Two. Yeah. The, clever girl. Think of the intonation. That may help you. I I just went straight to Silence of the Lambs. I don't know why. Our guest is BJ Mendelson. BJ, any idea what that is from? Jurassic Park. Yes, sir. And I, I'm all, you know, I was primed for it because I was staying somewhere recently. And every few seconds, uh, the maintenance guy would walk by and he would be playing different movie theme songs. But the one that he played the most was Jurassic Park. So like, it's, <laughs> it's top of mind right now. You know, it's kind of hard to be not bored while mopping without singing. It's a great song. <laughs> Iconic. How did you not get that one, Kevin Israel? I thought that was an easy one. You know, I can't even right now. I still can't even picture the scene that 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 line was said. That's a security guard. And right as he figures out the Raptors got him, he's about to die. He goes, clever girl. And that's Oh, it. yeah, yeah. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel. Here we are. Gutting the sacred cow. Thank you so much for sticking with us for now over 100 episodes. 
Can you believe it, Kevin Israel? 100 plus episodes. This seems like yesterday we were recording Batman Begins and then getting thrown out of the studio because the studio manager was a twat. <laughs> Kevin, I got to tell you, I called up my mom and I said, Mom, we just hit 100 episodes on our podcast. And my mom says, wow, what's a podcast? Please tell me that's verbatim. <laughs> well, I didn't do the into- intonation, so... I thought she was going to pull the Jewish mom and go, oh, so big whoop, your sister's doing X, Y, and Z. <laughs> no, she, if anything, she'd be like, oh, you have all that time to do a podcast, and yet you never call. <laughs> You're getting a grandchild soon, <laughs> goddammit. And he'll never call. <laughs> I sense a theme in the Israel household. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, we are joined by BJ Mendelson. BJ, what's going on, man? How are you, bud? Hey, I'm good. I, uh... You no, know, we were talking about this before we came on the air. I, this is the first thing I've done on a brand new computer, the first one I've had in about a decade. So, oh. uh, yeah, that's what's that's what's been going up in that today. computer cherry. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't even you know. I used to be all like, "Oh my god, I've got this new computer. I got to download all the things and get you know and look up the Verge and what are the eleven things you need on your laptop." Uh, and now I don't care. Like now I've, I've opened it up. I've installed everything. I got Gmail. <laughs> I'm it's more, fine. I'm more impressed that we're the first thing that he's looked on this new computer and not, <laughs> and not porn. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to, trying to cut the porn down. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a problem. I need gotta, to, yeah, <laughs> listen, that's why the last computer went actually. Probably. <laughs> if I, yeah, if, if I have no doubt. <laughs> If I see your face scrunch up in the middle of this podcast, I'm going to know shenanigans are afoot. There you go. <laughs> One of my old laptops went and it was near the, it was, this is a different story, actually. That's not going to make it any better about me. Uh, one of my old laptops went and I called, you know how they used to have, and they might still have them, the, this, like the computer service where they can just come and take over your computer and you pay them like 50 bucks and whatever. And I didn't care enough about the computer. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And the guy was going through it and he's like, you have a lot of, there's a lot of viruses on here. You got a lot to take out. He's like, do you go to a lot of porn sites? And I was like, excuse me. He's like, look, buddy, buddy, these, these, you don't it. get these, you don't get these kind of viruses from nothing. And I was like, I don't think any more than the normal guy. He's like, I don't know. This is a lot of viruses. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a new computer. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> One of my best friends, he had taken his to a buddy who was like a geek squad kind of guy. And he goes, whatever you do, do not take this computer into any store because you will go to jail. He showed us, like, this is great. We used to watch football at this place. He had the dish. And we call it a halftime porn show. We go up and he goes, dude, 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 watch this. He put a fucking video of this girl sucking off a horse dick. And it was like a shotgun in the mouth. And you just have to, you, you couldn't help but giggle. It's fucking funny. But he had, I uh, oodles, nano uh, terabytes of this. Sh- oh, I'm, I'm exaggerating a ton. And he goes, don't, don't take that shit in. Don't ever do it. Just destroy the computer. When you think it's done, it's done. Just destroy it. Take a hammer to the motherboard and don't take it in. Cause you will go to jail. <laughs> Here's a computer back and you're under arrest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the computer is good for you. A Commodore 64. What a what a bunch of uh, Randy talk to start off this topic, right? BJ, yeah, BJ's career to talk about Man Max Fury Road. This film was a goddamn critics blowjob, if I do say so myself. A budget of one hundred fifty four point six million. A gross of only one hundred eighty five point one. Not the ROI we're used to seeing for some of these films, Kevin Israel. Nope. 
I will say also that if you turn that into 2021 dollars, $171.4 million budget, 205.3 in 2021 money. So it all got popular on the, uh, on the back end, as they say. IMDB is a scale one through 10 with decimal points. Hey, BJ, what do you think Mad Max Fury Road scored on the old IMDB? Was it one out of five? On one, out, one to 10 with decimal oh, well, points. Ten. It's yeah, easily an eight. Easily Kevin, as an eight. Kevin Israel. Oh, I'm going to go higher than that. I'm going to go to nine one. Well, someone's got two showcases today, and that person is BJ Mendelssohn. Oh, eight, wow. Only an eight. 8.8.1. Wow. I thought for sure it'd be higher, but yeah, I want to be a little conservative. Well, this well, is like this is like the critics critic yeah. film. Like, Ain't that the is, truth? Yeah. This is almost the artist. Yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, though, Kevin Israel, as you know, one through 100 percentage base score. What did the critics give Mad Max Fury Road? I'm going to stick to my guns and go 93. BJ. Yeah, I think it's a certified fresh, like 100. 100? Yeah. We've never had anybody call out 100. The only film that we've done in this film that was 100, Kevin Israel, was? Oh, Citizen Kane. No. Toy Story. Was Citizen Kane at one point 100 and it dropped down a point? It did drop. It dropped It dropped actually two weeks bef- after, before we did the podcast. It right. dropped. That is so funny. It was timing. So, uh, sorry, what was the scores getting? BJ, you gave it a what? And Kevin, you 100. gave it a what? 100. And then Kevin, you gave it a what? 93. Well, you two fuckers split the difference. 97. Nice. Wow. That's, I mean, that's ridiculous. Critic, <laughs> sorry, uh, audience score. Uh, BJ, what did the audience give on Rotten Tomatoes? I think the audience is lower. I think the audience is going to be closer to about 80. 80. Kevin Israel? 76. 86. Wow. That's okay. Cool. Okay. I yeah. see you. I see you. Shaking that ass. <laughs> Shaking that ass. Quotes. And boy, did I have to really, really stretch for this one. One man, one bullet. That's it. This film is not quotable. This film is almost as quotable as the last film we did tonight, and that's A Quiet Place, where there's 25 lines of dialogue. Kevin Israel, any quotes jump out at you? Thunder up. Barely a quote, but I understand. I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't say I'm running around saying it on a daily basis. <laughs> you could. You'd be met with some curious stares. At My least. wife would be like, oh, thunder up. Did you eat ice cream again? <laughs> thunder up. Is that what you call when you put this baby in my belly? BJ, any quotes from you? Witness. It's got to be. I thought for sure that would be a meme. I, I Witness, yeah. I thought you know it would be like all these big fails and then someone just having in big words witness under it. Like it didn't catch on. But yeah, that would that'd be. I also, I also liked how when something was bad, they said mediocre. Yes. I thought that was. I thought the, I thought the dialogue, not the dialogue, the, this, the linguistics in this movie was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like it's- oh, well, ho, 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 ho. Slow yes. your roll, boy. Oh, This is not the time to get into the, 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 right, the here twos and wither twos of this podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited it. to have BJ on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all, all that, all that, uh, all that She-Hulk talk we'll get into later. That's five, right. Five fun facts. Five fun facts, 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 five fun facts. 
This was developed as early as 1998 and was supposed to shoot in 2001, but production was put on hold because of 9-11 attacks. Mm -hmm. Take a guess who was considered for the role of Mad Max. Huge name at the, eh, yeah, very huge name at the time. Little, even bigger later, but ah, huge name. Pretty big. I take that back. Pretty big name at that time it was supposed to shoot. But later on, an even bigger name. Who do you think, Kevin? Guess this was this was 2010. This is 2015, 2015 but it, again, it was supposed to shoot in, in several times, nine, uh, nine, uh, 2001, 2003, and then again, it, and when it shot in 2015. But who do you think was slated to play Mad Max? <laughs> it's funny. I've always only associated this with Tom Hardy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. BJ, got a guess? Vin Diesel. I was going to say, that's what I was going to say. When he said was big then and got bigger, I was going to say Vin Diesel. But then I was like, that's absolutely ridiculous because he can't even do a British accent. It, uh, Australian. <laughs> well, if I would have told you the, the, the actor was, was of an English or Australian oh, Hugh descent. No, Heath no. Ledger. Heath Ledger. Huh. I, okay. I think I would have liked it more with him in it. I could see it. Number, yeah. two, number three, Mel Gibson was supposed to be in this film, but... When they were going into development in 03, he decided to back out and talk about the Jews. No, just yeah, kidding. That was much. That was, that was much later. Much later. Much later. I was going to say. No, that was, he decided no. to uh, get anti-Semitic. No, he decided to do the Passion of the Christ instead. Well, money-wise, it was a good move. Very good. Number four: more than eighty percent of the film's effects are practical and not CGI. And one question we all had running through our mind. Uh, where can we see Rosie w- uh, Wellington naked? Just kidding. How much do you think the flaming guitar weighed? <laughs> uh, you know, the scene when they show the thing blow up and it comes at the screen, which really made it feel like this should have been a 3D. 3D. Movie. As I said, I, had to look, I, thought, I thought it was in 3D for a second because of that exact moment. Yeah. Right. Um, 50 pounds. BJ. Yeah, it's it's got to be around that. 132. What? Really? Yeah. Did it was it functional? Was it an actual guitar? Yeah, it was a functional guitar. Like it 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 did everything that you saw it do in the movie. Like it's Wow. Were they yeah. actually playing music through those things? That I don't know. I but I do know that it's a real guitar that shoots fire from it. Is this I mean, <laughs> he was probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I think I think for a lot of people. He's like the best hype man ever. I'm surprised Iron Maiden hasn't co-opted this in the <laughs> six years that the film's been See, out. you say that. I would have said ACDC. This would have been the nice. perfect yeah. one for. But uh, that's They're a little up there in age, but I guess so is Iron Maiden. That's I guess if it was actually shooting, if it really shot out the flames, that mechanism to involve, that it was involved in that probably weighed something. How can you say Iron Maiden? This is fucking Malcolm Young going, but that was about to rock. Fire! Boom. <laughs> Perfect. Are you kidding but me? How old is he? Like, I don't, I can't see him. I saw them on 120 pounds. I, I, yeah. He probably weighs about a buck 40. Yeah. I saw them on tour when they did their last tour. God damn it. Six years ago, seven years ago. It was great. Now it is time for where the, the listeners get to chime in and have a few questions on Ask a Gutter. Lord Snurts asks, CGI or practical special effects? 
Do you have a preference and why? Is that a question for me? Yes, sir. You are the gutter. So yes, it is for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm always, I know it's going to sound counterintuitive given what we're talking about, but I am definitely a practical effects guy. Uh, I am not a CG guy. In fact, the biggest complaint I have on most comic book movies is that the entire third act is just CG of them shooting like anime lightning bolts at each other. Uh, And I've just had enough of it. So yeah, I'm definitely a practical effects guy. Well, someone did not like Big Trouble in Little China. That's what it sounds like to me. (laughs) Love that film. But that was early. That was early though. You know, like that was before every... Every big budget film has like a lightning flight in that third act or, or them flying in the air for some stupid. And those lightning guys with the hats were awesome. Yes. Weren't they? Yes. Yeah. I have a I got one for like thirty bucks and it's worth it. It's the three that's... a picture of the three storms on uh, on one shirt. Oh, that's cool. War to Vegas and got two high fives in forty five minutes, so that's what's up. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for the other Xiphos writes, I already like the BJ Mendelssohn fella, and I haven't heard the episode for kicking the shit out of that crappy non-Mad Max movie, Furiosa Road. So more of a statement. Furiosa Road. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, so yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. It's like, I, I, there's definitely, I was looking for like criticism of Mad Max because there's not a lot of it right. on the web. And the only stuff I could find is like that, like gross incel bullshit out there. Uh, there's not a lot of like actual criticism of the film it's it's usually when you do find it it's oh you know it's all about furiosa max is irrelevant it's all about women and like that's that to me is like the point that that's why the movie is as good as it is gotcha all right next question bango to our buddy bango from the bango recap who loves doing that for us at what point in mad max fury road did bj ask himself what the fuck am i watching oh oh this is easy um so (laughs) i have two brothers that are mentally disabled uh, and I go and see a lot of movies with them. And so they're kind of my barometer for whether or not a movie is good. Uh, and I know that if they start like chuckling or talking amongst themselves or making other noise that the movie is not good. And Mad Max, <laughs> about 15 minutes in, they were like giggling profusely at it. So like that was sort of the moment where it's like, this is not a good film. Ooh, ooh. So they must have loved Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kevin Israel, you have a question. No, I had to. I wanted to tell when I said, "What the fuck am I watching?" Oh, okay, we'll get there. When they had the lactation station in the yes. room, Let's and the guy, save the it guy the drinks fucking... it and goes, "Moo." I'm sorry, but you asked that question. I, I wanted that's to for say. our gutter. You're you're a goddamn close. You know your fucking role. <laughs> we'll get the lactation settle, station. Settle down. I have to keep this in check. Next one, and this is uh, from Taco Shirt Krillin. BJ, what was it about She-Hulk that inspired you to make a fan comic? It wasn't necessarily about... Okay, let me back up. So I worked for a company uh, that used to be called Serial Box, is now called Realm. Uh, and I spent about a year developing a pitch series for She-Hulk. And uh, for people that don't know, like, they've got Black Panther and Jessica Jones and um, I'm blanking on the other two, Black Widow and Thor. Like, they have these, like, cool full production audio stories. And so we were doing, I was putting one together for She-Hulk, uh, and it kind of became clear after a certain point that the company was going to move in a different direction away from uh, the Marvel stuff. Because in that time, like, you've seen DC just announced uh, the Batman audio show. Uh, which is now out on HBO Max. And so uh, it kind of got lost in the shuffle bit at Serial Box. And I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to let this go because I really like it. And I just, I just ran with it. I just took the thing that I had laid out and said, 
this is the thing. But if there was something that like inspires me about the character, it's that she's underutilized, uh, criminally so. I feel. Cool. Not soon. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, she'll be everywhere this 2022. They already shot it, right? Because I knew they were doing it. Yeah. Is it they're shooting. Shot? They're shooting it right now. They are almost done. The writers' room is wrapped. Uh, Marvel has the like World War She-Hulk or whatever. They're, like they've got like a She-Hulk event book coming out from spinning off from Avengers. Uh, and then she's got a new solo title coming out. So yeah, it's going to be a big year for that character. I I am curious if it's going to be CGI. Going back to that other question, because yeah, the, the actress is not a large actress, and I don't no. care how much she bulks up, she's not going to be She Hulk size. But the thing for me is that She Hulk doesn't have to be huge. I think, and that's something that we've seen. Like, so she's been around since 1980. She's only been huge and bulky that initial run that 1980 comic and then much later uh just recently actually with jason aaron's avengers i think we've seen her huge but if you look at dan slott's book if you look at the john byrne book if you look at some of the other like the peter david stuff she's never portrayed as huge and bulky like her cousin like her strength is more proportional so i wasn't too concerned about the size of tatiana but I, you know i did kind of worry about there are scenes where the mark ruffalo hulk looks kind of rough uh and Excellent. it just takes me out of it and so i you know on a tv budget i i Yo, even though it's still a big budget TV show, I just don't know yeah. what it's going to look like. Excellent. Uh, fantastic answer. So there you have it. <laughs> uh, and that's it for Ask a Gutter. So thank you for all the folks who had submitted questions. So I'd say, what, Kevin Israel, no time like the present to let BJ Mendelson do what She Hulk's going to do to everybody else. And that is gut, gut. The, the sacred. sacred. Cow. Cow. <laughs> we made That's him laugh. So, he's so enthusiastic about it. You're like, this is we're more concerned with trying to say it simultaneously than <laughs> say it enthusiastically. Like yeah, if we so just started true. screaming it, it would just come out as noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's this internet connection we have to time to a T. And I think we're about not, not quite my tempo. How about that? <laughs> Were we rushing or were, or were we dragging? dragging. <laughs> Cute. Sorry, BJ. Uh, your argument, if you would. Yeah. Okay. So this movie is essentially the equivalent of that um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. <laughs> but, <laughs> Once upon a time but, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but for symbols, right? Like it, it reminded me of that family guy joke where they're drowning and Peter says he doesn't like the Godfather. And he said, well, why don't you like the Godfather? It's a masterpiece. And he goes, it insists upon itself. And that, that to me is this film. Like it's, it is so far up its own ass with symbols. And I think of the George Carlin quote, you know, uh, symbols are for the simple minded. Uh, I'm not saying I believe that, but I do, I do think that it, it, beats you over the head with what is a good message what is ostensibly a good like it's anti-patriarchy it's anti-military industrial complex it's anti-big oil those are all things i like i'm a huge liberal like i those are all things i completely uh am for and want to see in films but this movie is it goes past that point of like you know there's subtlety and then there's like all right we're, we're kind of tapping you on the head but not too hard to like beating you over the head and i feel like the the wheel over in Morton Joe's dick was was like to me. All right, I got it. Like I don't. We get it. it's a patriarchal society. Uh, he's evil. He's got the the women that are, they are clearly being treated as objects, not people. With the milkmaids, like how much more of this do I really need? So that that's sort of the first 
and, and the film is like that through its entire run. Like it's, it's a smooth two hour ride, but there is not a moment in that film where it's not pointing at something and look at how cool and special and important that thing is. And that, that takes me out of it. Like I, I kind of just prefer something that's a bit more subtle uh, that while we got but that said, look, you could easily make an argument that this is one of the best films made in the 21st century. Um, it is definitely a film critics movie, you know, the way that people talk about the comedian's comedian, like Norm MacDonald passed away. And like the thing that they wrote in a lot of his obituaries was uh, Norm was a comedian's comedian, which I think is unfair to Norm because he was pretty popular. Uh, but what the, what they meant by that was, you know, like, you might not know who Norm is, but all the comedians you like know who he is. And that's kind of how I felt about this movie as well, where this has, if I went to film school, I would be climaxing in my pants while watching this. Because it has all the things that I spent $50,000 on learning about. Like, it's just, it's tailor-made for, for film school uh, nerds. And so that kind of takes me out of it a little bit, like, because I kind of feel like, you know, it, it, again, it beats you over the head, but then it also is, it's, it's a movie's movie. It, it's a movie movie. It's not a movie in the sense of, I'm going to go for two hours and just relax and be entertained. Like, it's a movie movie in that, no, this is, he's trying to make a point. He's, he's using literally every tool at his disposal to make that point. Sometimes really successfully, sometimes not. So, uh, it just, it's like the best way I could, I could describe this film to you is it's sort of like going to a concert during Metallica's St. Anger period <laughs> and only hearing that fucking snare drum for two hours. And like that's because the snare drum draws your attention. It demands you pay attention to it. It, it becomes the only thing that you can focus on through the entire film. And so all these things kind of just pull me out of it. So like there's, there's that, right? Um, then there's this other box of, uh, I think it's great that there's not a lot of dialogue in it. I kind of feel like the movie does such a wonderful job of using like a visual language to it, which is cool. But the, the downside is you have to take this huge cognitive leap with the film in that Nux is going to go from a religious zealot to someone that's willingly going to sacrifice himself and go against his God. Even though, I mean, you, you might say, yeah, there's that scene where, you know, his God, he's embarrassed in front of his own God and that allows for him to change. Sure. that That's true. But, what we've seen in real life with COVID-19 and all these other things going on is that zealots do not change their minds so quickly and so easily. And so what I feel watching Mad Max, you, you gotta remember, I only saw it once in 2015 and you know, I had my brothers that were laughing at it. So it kind of out. So like I watched it before the podcast and I was like, yo, in 2020, 2021, dealing with what we're dealing with in the real world, it, it's hard to take that leap with a lot of these characters to assume that they're going to grow and change that much. Like if Max, and this is coming from someone who hasn't seen the previous films. Like Mad Max Fury Road is made to be watched as a standalone film. So I watched it as a standalone film without much context for the previous films. If Max is so hell-bent on being a survivor, he would have pieced out of there at least 10 to 15 different times. Um, mm. But again, because of the compressed runtime, because there's not a lot of dialogue, uh, you're you're kind of being pulled along and going, oh yeah, okay, I can totally buy that. And I just didn't buy that change. I know a lot of people did, and that's cool. But for me, I just, I needed more from it. I needed more from Furiosa, uh, aside from just going into the desert and screaming. Uh, <laughs> like, I get, like, it's a cool visual. It looks fucking great uh, as a poster or, like, in a trailer, you know. But for that to be the scene where you're kind of like, okay, she's going to now just go home. 
or she's just going to go home because this guy that she just met that tried to kill her and who, by the way, she tried to blow his head off maybe, what, a day ago? Right. Less than that is now Now she's taking his advice and going back to this hellhole that they just came from. So, I mean, those are, those are sort of all my issues. Like, it, it's Again, there's a lot to like about the film. I like the message of it. I, I love the use of the visual language. I love the spare dialogue. It's beautifully shot. There's a lot of good things to say about it. But to me, it insists upon itself quite a bit. And then the other part aspect of it is that it, there's not enough in there for me to go along for the ride of these characters changing and developing over the course of what looks to be about a day. Wow. That was a very cogent, analytical, in-depth breakdown, Kevin Israel. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad was, I did not uh, take my edibles before we did this was, podcast. Otherwise, <laughs> you would have got the opposite. So. It was quick, dirty, and pointful. Oh, like my it. Lord. Um, yeah, you should, you should have worn a tweed jacket while giving that dissertation, Professor. <laughs> or rabbi. I get that a lot. Oh, you sound a lot like a rabbi. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You do. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, Kevin Israel, is that story true? Because that's your area of uh, all of the rabbi. That's my area. Because of my last name, I know all the rabbis. <laughs> right. No, because you're Jewish, not because you're last name. <laughs> oh, can we talk about, wait, just real quick. So sure. There was, well, there was, okay, yeah, there was just one other thing. You guys had touched on it. I wanted to just circle back to it. Uh, there's not a lot of 3D effects in this film, right? Or mm-hmm. if they're there, they're very, they're very well hidden, so it doesn't take you out. But there is one. That stands out to me. And it's that guitar flying towards the screen where it looks so bad. You're right. Like it looks like something I would have seen out of, oh, you know what it, it looks like out of? Jaws 3D. Oh, man, I wish I was good. That's a good pull. But no, um, there was this really shitty Mortal Kombat animated film that came out along with the the original film. And it was riddled with like just this terrible, awful CGI that they clearly were like recycling throughout the film just to save money. And the effect of the steering column and the guitar coming towards the screen reminded me of that. Like it reminded me of a bad time in CGI, and it just took me out. If you think that was bad, try watching the Lawnmower Man again. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those. There's a lot of those. Oh, that movie doesn't hold up. (laughs) <laughs> that's when everyone started getting excited about the vr and go yeah. holy shit vr and wearing the goggles and you know i don't yep. have to tell you this story these notes brought to you by gutting the sacred cow.com where every single day you get joyous articles out of kevin israel and myself that doesn't happen movie news movies that we've seen trailer talk quotes you name it we cover it every day gutting the sacred cow.com and you can also find a kick-ass shirt like this pow guttingthesacredcow.com merch store, long sleeve hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, you name it, we've got it. Even condoms. That way Kevin Israel and I can go into your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, no matter how you like it. Just kidding. But we're working on that. So quick, make a note. Call R&D tomorrow. Gutting yeah. the Sacred Cow. Can you ask BJ for a score? I didn't. BJ, give me a score yes. of 1 to 10 on, uh, on Mad Max. Oh, damn, that's a hard one. I mean, I thought that was much, much easier than you're just that very complex argument you just gave, but <laughs> so be it. No, you know, because you're asking like to condense everything into like a number, right? So that is a score. That is how scores work. Right. That right. Is, <laughs> yes. your, your it's name, called an aggregate. <laughs> your name is letters. <laughs> uh, I, it's a six. Six. Yeah, it's wow. a six. He did uh, not hate this. No, right. I really, you know, it's funny. Like when I was watching it, over the weekend, I was like, I'm going to have a real problem with this podcast 
um, because I don't I don't hate it as much as I thought I did. When I first listen, saw you're more than allowed to th- say it's overrated because that's what yes, a lot of people yeah. do. It's just this isn't bad. It's just not great. Like people say it is. That's that's completely fine. It's OK. Six. I didn't expect a, a six. That's after that. <laughs> poignant discussion notes does it count if you eat a desert lizard and joe rogan isn't there to give you twenty five thousand dollars for doing so thank you um pygmies frighten me just putting that out right okay we're all in agreement see some head nods i'm six four so anything anything shorter to be scares me i'm six two so a little a little shorter than you and yeah that just the way and yeah. well, aren't Kevin, you all some tall guys Kevin Israel's not <laughs> part of the six club, <laughs> i'm sorry we'll speak a little louder for the folks down there so the weather up there <laughs> all that desert and not a single roadrunner being chased by a coyote anywhere i don't believe that a bearded midget in a car seat is always funny. Repeat, always funny. Is a bearded midget in a car seat funnier than a midget being carried around by a muscular guy in a mask or whatever the guy wore in Thunderdome? I didn't see Thunderdome. That's the only one I haven't seen of the match. I I see the, the, no. that's, that's why I was, when they showed the, I completely, first of all, I completely forgot about the midget. But when they showed it, I was like, they had a midget in Thunderdome too. Like, <laughs> What are they trying to tell us about the future? <laughs> Do you know the bad guy from Mad Max 2 was Bennett in Commando? Yes. Huh. I didn't know that. Yep. The breast milk in this is like is being the goal is like Johnny Mnemonic reaching the whale. Wow, that is that is there's three people listening to this that are going to get that. That's a tip. Oh, by the a, way, uh, shitty film, great soundtrack. Yes. I would have shit my pants when lowering the drum truck drum truck down. You would have seen Fletcher from Whiplash saying, not quite my tempo. <laughs> Too bad I used that joke 20 minutes ago. But God, I wrote that down while watching this. The only thing that would have ever gotten me to a Dave Matthews Band concert would be a flaming guitar. That's it. He's a good musician, but that music stinks. <laughs> the only well, thing. Okay. Go ahead. No, people, no. That, people that go to Dave Matthews concerts are not going for the music, you know. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get high. In your, you, in you, you can get high in your own Scooby Doo van at home instead of have to go pay eighty five dollars <laughs> to see him. I'm uh, just thinking of Summers at Saratoga Performing Arts Center. He's always there, and the, the whole town smells like weed. <laughs> just saying, it's even the horses are high running. <laughs> That's right. The only thing missing from this and Twisted Metal for PlayStation 1 is a clown driving an ice cream truck. True. All the gamers are nodding their heads or laughing at that one. Thank you, gamers. The effects in this film are stupefying, to say the least. They are, this is top fucking notch cinematography. This should be taught in every film school on effects Shade, coloring, shading, background, everything. This is the Mount Rushmore of it's it's simply beatification. It's finest. The last time I saw this much dust, Estelle Getty was doing her Sharon Stone basic in, basic instinct impression. Hi <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to cut that. I'm not that one died the vine in real time. <laughs> Why did Tom Hardy feel the need to try another variation of his Bane accent in this film as yes. well? 
Yeah, Can I this think- guy, how many fucking films do I have to sit this guy and need Google Translate to sit next to me on? Well, you know what? It's, it's such a great point. And he never speaks, he never speaks clearly in any, even as, ba- not Bane, even as Venom. Right. When you listen to his American accent, it's still not really clear. It's always like he's got some marbles in his mouth while he's talking. And I don't know any, because he's a great actor. Sure. But his, he, he delivers dialogue so garbled. It's like they said, here, quick, do seven shots of Jameson before every take. <laughs> there is another film we played. I forgot the name of it. The two uh, twin, one's gay, bank yeah. robbers from London, the true story. I, I couldn't understand. I turned it off. Something fell in your, my ear, your camera there, Kevin. Oh. But you know what? At least in, at least that accent is supposed to kind of be hard to understand. Like they were doing that really like Cockney, kind of Cockney, sure. like <laughs> you're supposed to like that kind of made sense. But when you're trying to talk intelligibly as just a guy from Chicago or wherever Bane is from, not Bane, Venom is from. <laughs> Bane uh, is just a guy from Chicago. He lives in Wrigleyville. <laughs> he, he had a few too many cuts lost. He, he stands on the rooftops in fucking <laughs> Waveland Avenue going, go Cubs, go, with next to fucking Bill Murray. I, I could see him on the, uh, riding on top of the number 22 up, up, up and down Clark Street to get around. <laughs> oh, thank God a sports fan I can talk to. Uh, next one. Why did did anyone discuss why Charlize Theron had a had a had a metal arm? Did we, did I miss that? So, th- I did find a thing on that. Um, you I found guess, it, or was it in the film? Because no, uh, I did come across the thing where they had pointed out one of the things that they had liked about the, it was uh, film critic Hulk. Do you guys know? Have seen that guy? Mm. No. Okay. Oh, uh, yes. Does he, yes. Does he yeah. does he does he smash reviews? He should. He should. He sounds like he cries. As he does his movie <laughs> analysis, and so it takes me out of it. Like, like he's got a really lot of great things to say. Just sometimes his voice will break. And anyway, so he he had pointed out the, the little dude in the uh, in the, the metal seat uh, and Furiosa. It was kind of a cool inclusionary thing, in that it's not really commented on. Uh, it's for her arm. Like it's they didn't even mention her arm once. You know, like with the little oh. dude with the little dude in the seat. What what they're doing is. Uh, the only reason why they draw attention to that was to make a point about the patriarchy. Other, other than that, it's not oh. like you don't hear any. Again, this isn't me. This is just the point that they're. Making. I know, I know, so, it's not you, but God damn it! But that was so. The point was, you know, they're upset that uh, his pregnant wife. I forgot. They all have ridiculous names in this film. Patience and all that shit. Yeah. The one I remember is Cheetah. Yeah, Cheeto. Cheeto. The, the, the dag. Like they've got some dumb fucking names this week. Let's let's be honest here. And I get that that's part of it. Like I get that's a, that's a morning Joe naming these characters, and that's why the names are fucked up. But the pregnant wife dies, and you know they, they show you continuously that the morning Joe is more concerned with the baby and that it's normal. Uh, and so that's the only time that they draw attention to the little dude in the chair um, not being normal. But other than that, like it's just not acknowledged. Like that's sort of what. I guess that's how people interpreted it. Was he was making a statement? Miller was making a statement on, on not being ableist and just having these characters um, be treated as normal. Yeah, so I they're, fan- so they're I, saying I, that she was born with it was like a birth defect that she was born with. Yeah, I mean, they could, I just assumed know, right? that she like lost it in battle or something. Right. I mean, there's yeah. what the other thing about, and this is true with Star Wars, right? Um, Star Wars doesn't tell you a hell of a lot, right? It just kind of gives you what you need to know to get through the film, and then every like every rock and every now the other has like this crazy side story so we don't know a lot of the side stories of these characters and it would have been kind of nice to get a little bit more of that but yeah like her arm for all we know he could have cut it off because she says to him remember me before she kills him and you don't you don't know what that is 
Yeah, I, I, I was. Yeah, exactly. It'd have been cool if she said, "You know how I got this? Caught in the gears at a steel mill." Oh wait, that's too. That's Terminator Two. Sorry about that. Right. <laughs> it just makes me feel so stupid because I just saw Thank it. And I was like, "Cool, a cybernetic arm. It's the future." That's yeah. just something that happens. That's I'm how a, I took it. I, I'm an, I, I like to think I'm an above average intelligent kind of fellow, but all that horse shit for that with that fucking to Google that for that fucking logic. Who cares? So, if I'm not, I'm not getting that. Yeah. You think the general audience is picking that up? I'm not, I'm not exactly. saying shoulders above the, the general audience. I'm saying that's not fall, that's going to fall deaf in the public ear. So I appreciate your 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 need to be artistic and above the cut with some things, but god damn it, if this is a mass appeal film, play to the masses. I feel like that's it's part of the thing of it insists upon itself. You know, like it's constantly True. pointing to things and saying, "This is the point I'm making. Pay attention to me." I'm yeah, smart. Like, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal. She she had a metal arm. I, I thought it was thought it was cool. Rosie yeah. Huntington has not been seen since the baboon abortion known as Transformers Three. <laughs> but man, she was stunning Smoking. in that. You guys, yeah. tell you what, I tell you what, we all swoon over Megan Fox, but boy, does she hold her own or what? No, she was beautiful. I've seen more character development in a porno movie. <laughs> Absolutely true. There is zero 100%. Z. Row development. I know nothing about anyone, and quite frankly, I don't care. This had not. It took him how long to get his fucking name out? Okay, and he was supposed to, I, whatever. All right, hour and fifty five minutes. Yeah, Charlize is not the action badass hero like the goddamn media makes her out to be. In this, she drives a truck. She has a couple of fights. The film that she isn't badass action hero in. Atomic Blonde. That I give you. This I do not. I am sorry. This is, again, you said before, trying to smash the patriarchy. Stop trying to shoehorn political themes and everything, making the female empowerment all above everything else, but without the evidence. I bought Ray's Star Wars. I bought Angelina Jolie in Wanted. I bought her in Salt. Hell, I bought her as Lara Croft. There's there's context to that. This, Charlie Theron, she drives a truck. She has a metal arm. She's an immediate action icon. Nope. This film drags a lot for two hours. It drags three. This could kind of be summed up like in glorious bastards, three or four great scenes and the rest is bullshit filler. Thank you. (laughs) The dialogue, which there is little has little purpose and impact. It's like they're talking past each other. It's like, you know, when you're walking in a public place and you think someone's talking to you, but they're either on the phone or talking to someone that you're standing next to. That's how I felt this dialogue was. There was zero impact when they said words and it just, the fact you have a lot of words, you don't have a lot of words to begin with. So you figured that, that they would be a little bit more, yeah, there is no there is no connection amongst the characters whatsoever. It's right. like a bunch of people were herded from the street to be in a play or improv. And they're like, um, so I went to the store to get eggs. Oh, my God, your lawn is so high. You have to cut the grass. Like, what the fuck? The fat English guy with pierced nipples connected by a chain. So that's what happened. <laughs> to Mis- So that's what happened to Mr. Bean, huh? Monopoly man. <laughs> and the elephant feet, because you know I never miss a chance to I point know. out feet. <laughs> Next fucking line, <laughs> cocksucker. Siphoning gas while speeding in the desert is almost as cool, almost as cool, as the Revenge of the Nerds tricycle beer drinking race. <laughs> the same amount of stakes were, were on hand. 
By the way, you know, so when they're doing that, I, I once tried to siphon beer or beer, try to siphon gasoline out of a too. car and I, I swallowed a little gasoline and I immediately threw up. Of course you did. So, which is, I think, the, the body's response that should happen. So these guys who were just like chug a lug, the one guy was yeah. like drinking it and then like pouring it in. It's like, that's, that, that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That, yeah, that, that's it. That was one of those, it's one of the few moments where like, again, the, the movie asks a lot of you. But that was asking too much. Yeah. That, just that. that. Just that, BJ. No. Sure, you know, just that. Just that. No. All, all of these car chases trying to sideswipe each other and shoot stuff, and they didn't play the theme to Spy Hunter? Missed opportunity. True. They do have the Millennium Falcon sound, though. Twice, they have the Millennium Falcon sound. So I'll give, him, I'll give him credit for that. Boy, I missed that, and I wish I yeah, caught so that. Did I. Where was yeah. that? Do tell. There's a couple, there's a couple times where the engine fails. Uh, it, it, it oh, happens. like an empire with a hyperdrive yeah. was yeah. conking out? Oh, son of a bitch. I wish I caught that. But then again, I was lulled into a half coma. Can you, ima- <laughs> can you imagine of all the, the smell of all those people in that cab? I would rather smell decomposing grass while standing on the equator and someone lights a field of cow shit on fire. Does it have to be at the equator? Because I went the direct. I couldn't. I, the country part was too. I could have said fucking Nicaragua. I could have said. Uh, oh, sorry, that's on the equator. Uh, how about Ecuador? That's on the equator, as is uh, as is Brazil. This movie is like a Vegas nine lady who is top to bottom gorgeous, but the minute you realize po- post coital, she has absolutely nothing to say for an action film. This didn't do that much for me. Yes. Amazing creative ideas, beautifully shot, beautifully shot. This is the standard from now on Um, creative ideas. But be honest, how many scenes can any of you recollect besides the flaming guitar guy? Answer zero. This film barely did anything for me. I got, oh, this is what I said before about Atomic Blonde. This film is a critics this is critics jerking into a ceiling fan for me that's what this is on paper sure execution visually great they said that by the way this is only there was no script it was all shot on storyboard based on storyboards and it shows it fucking sh- this is like when will ferrell and adam mckay and those assholes doing <laughs> two hour and a fucking 75 hours of footage when making anchorman and they go, oh, maybe we wouldn't have a script. It fucking shows. This needed, this needed to be poignant. It was not. This needed to be edited better. It was not. This had no flow. The dialogue stunk. I hated the lack of backstory. I hate the lack of context. The character development was honest to God. I can't think of any other film worse regards to character development. This was fucking useless when it came to that. And if I had to go do Googling to find out answers, hints, it's not a good film. See example one, tenants. See example two, double underlining. Episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Fuck you both for that fucking, not you both. Fuck those two for that, those two films. I give this a four and a half out of 10, and it is staunchly based on the cinematography. Kevin Israel, the floor is yours. Oh, you guys didn't leave a lot of meat on this bone. <laughs> After the last one, I owed you. <laughs> yeah, you did. No, you, you got it. <laughs> 
So I was as a kid, as a especially as an eighties kid, I was a you know, I liked Mad Max. I, I watching it as a kid, I didn't get the undertones. I didn't really it was just a guy a badass guy with a gun and a real cool car driving around, blowing shit up, fighting, and it just it seemed cool to me. Uh and I, I remember watching the original two that were really simple, kind of dark movies, and then Thunder Thunderdome kind of took it to another level with which feels the setting felt more like this like fury road in the in the desert wasteland where one, you know one it's a to interrupt you for one second the reason i did not see it because even as a goddamn 10 year old i knew you cannot have the original and maybe a sequel go from r to r and i think this was pg or pg 13 with thunderdome but i know it was not r yeah so that's why i it knew would think yeah it had a much more science fiction feel but you thought you thought Mad Max was cool. Mad Max. So here's here's my biggest problem with this with this movie. Mel Gibson was Mad Max. Mad Max isn't like James Bond. I don't feel like anybody can be Mad Max. I feel like Mad Max was those movies were great because of Mel Gibson, because of the kind of the cockiness and the attitude he brought to it. His voice, his look, the whole thing. He was Mad Max. Tom Hardy isn't Mad Max. Tom Hardy is some other character altogether. He's kind he he's he's almost like a he you you feel bad for him. And I get that you were like Mad Max loses his family, so you're supposed there's some sympathy there. But he almost seemed like he gets his ass beat throughout this whole movie. He his personality is very strange and inconsistent, which we've all kind of covered. The 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 whole the whole thing where he kept seeing the little girl and the people that died. They never play, played that out any further than that, but it was supposed to be his motivation in the movie. And I guess it was supposed to go towards what BJ was saying, that why he decided to stay. Because all those people were apparently people he let die or he let down in some way. And so now he wasn't going to let these people down. So that entire storyline, story mechanism served just to explain why he was doing what he was going to do later in the movie, which is really weak storytelling. Like you couldn't, he couldn't possibly develop characters throughout this, or they couldn't possibly have, you know, an acrimonious meeting that ends up becoming an, an, an alliance later on. So we have to have this other motivation to explain how we, that turn. And I, and I really didn't like it. I didn't, I agree with both of you. I didn't buy into him suddenly just, him suddenly just joining up with them and Furiosa, who clearly is supposed to start off as a badass who's got one mission and this is what she's doing, suddenly being like, oh, he's my friend now. Like what happened that he was her friend? What happened that made her believe in him? The other, I mean, they were going to, like you just said, they were going to murder each other. And then suddenly he was part of the team. And in the end, when they ran into the, to the women from the other colony or whatever it was, you know, oh, they're, they're, they're reliable. Reliable. Nux is a fucking war boy who was spraying chrome paint into his face. He was trying to, <laughs> trying to murder you. And, and he saw a pretty girl and suddenly he's a good guy. That's great. And I liked I liked how his character ended up, but it, he never got there. There was no there was nothing that made me go, oh, I see this. It was just like one minute he was bad. And suddenly he like he sort of held hands with that girl with the very fake red hair. And suddenly they were just friends. And then he was on their side. And it's like I, I didn't buy into any of that. That said, for me, going back to me, the eight year old running around in my head, watching those awesome cars drive up and down the desert and blowing each other up was fantastic. The car chases mm-hmm. in this were amazing. All yeah. the car battles in this were 
awesome. The cars that they created for this, I assume that was a huge dent in the in this 150 some odd million dollar budget because they built some amazing vehicles that all worked. By the way, all of those vehicles actually drove and did what they needed to do. That and that's amazing, especially for I'm a huge car guy, and that it's just so it was. This was a really fun one to watch, and the idea of a of a culture completely based around horsepower and and motors and and getting around and the gasoline like it was almost that water world effect but this movie did it much better than water world did uh and and i i I really really liked that the problem was that's all there kind of what for me that's all there was to the movie it was just a bunch of cool car chases and then there was this loose story that never really made sense and then at the end of all this when they finally realized that the the greenland or whatever they called it that she was trying to get to wasn't there they're like yeah let's go back it's like what? After all that, so you just you just completely you you watered down this entire chase to get there. This entire everything they went through is now completely pointless because they're going back to where they started out, and that it just felt like it almost like kind of slapped the viewer in the face, going, <laughs> "Yeah, they went through all that, but it really didn't matter in the end because they should have just been there to begin with." And and that that really bothered me. The the characters in this, all the different, all the different characters, uh, it, 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 it Morden Joe and, uh, you know, all, all the, the, his, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a child in three months and I can guarantee you if it's a boy, I'm going to be naming him Rictus Erectus. Exactly. <laughs> Challenge accepted. That is such a fantastic name. And that was Nathan Jones. Yes. Who, by the way, he was in this movie and he was in Troy for exactly three minutes until Brad Pitt stabbed him in the neck. And it, that the beginning of Troy is one of my favorite intros to a movie. The rest of the movie is okay. But the beginning, that beginning fight scene is fantastic. And Nathan Jones gets exactly like three and a half minutes of screen time. I'm not sure if he was in anything other than these two movies. I think he was a wrestler. Yes. Yes. I was going to say, they named someone that was in Mad Max that also fought. Uh, well, he didn't fight The Undertaker, but fought with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's funny. Nathan Jones. Yeah, that's right. God so, damn, what don't you know, BJ? Jesus. Women. <laughs> <laughs> but then one of my one of my other problems with this movie, and, and Kevin was saying how you know how great the, the cinematography is. I didn't like and it happened, I thought it was just gonna be an effect in the beginning, but it kind of carried throughout. That real quick jerky where you feel it almost looks like this film is sped up when he was like running from people, and it, it almost like crank. Like it had that crank feel to it. The flashback where, scenes, right? Yeah, where everything yeah. gets like suddenly sped up. That drove me crazy. I didn't I didn't think it fit in with the feel of this movie. Like this this was supposed to almost have that like spaghetti western, like long drawn out, long shot feel. And then there were just these moments where it was like this hyperactive frenetic energy and it, it just it never worked for me. And a, and a, a lot of it while it looked amazing, it just I just don't feel like it ma- it meshed with what Mad Max is supposed to be it, it. It was a weird choice, and I and and when BJ was explaining, you know, how many different themes there were to this, and what and what they were the messages they were trying to communicate, it kind of makes sense because it was like he wasn't as concerned with who Mad Max was or or our connection to Mad Max. He was concerned with using it as a as a vehicle to tell us to to get a message out there to make to make a point, which I for me is is, is a shitty reason to make a movie, at least a shitty primary reason. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Furiosa have an accent? Everyone else in the movie had an accent. I think it's supposed to take place in Australia. I'm pretty sure that's where the first. You're 100. You're 100 right. I, it, it is, and you're right. God, I completely whipped. Good call. Very good call. 
everybody else had some kind of British or Australian accent and she just spoke and she, and she can do an English accent. She's the, I can't remember what movie she did one in, but I know she did. She's also South African. So she can, for that's, real, like she's from there. Right. So she, she oh, that's right. Yeah. She, and there. they could have been any accent. It could have just been any accent. Why did she speak like an American? And if, if she was supposed to be American, and that's, I'm not even going to get off on, got off into that point <laughs> where and when this is taking place. I will say I, I have a friend that lives in New South Wales. And every time I talk to her, I just ask her, so is it like Mad Max out there like every day? <laughs> when you go to the post office, it's like the fucking doof warrior there, but you got to wait in line and he's got like, a couple people on fire. Uh, yeah, it's you know, Australia is a fucking weird place. But watching this, watching this movie and the culture that apparently came about in this area, it felt like the world ended and they only had a Fast and the Furious DVD. Okay, wait, we'll just, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll okay, just okay. watch that a thousand times and we're like, we're going with this. Can, this we, is, would that be awesome if Furos at the very end just goes family and then <laughs> cuts to black? Can we wait? Like, let's. That's, I think that's that to me is such a great point, and I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to lose it because it. One of the things that really strikes me as weird about this movie is this: the way the society is, because clearly they have they have had satellites, and clearly at some point. Um, and then not too long ago, again, I haven't seen the first three films. Uh, Max says that he was a police officer. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. though things were falling apart, like there was still some semblance of what the world was before. So I, it, to me, it's such this, it, it's a huge cognitive leap between where this movie is taking place and when compared to when the world fell apart. Because there is no way that they are like this fucked up and crazy in the lifespan of Max. Well, right. And they you wouldn't, know, like, you wouldn't have, and, Mad Max, the the first movie, if you're saying that this is all chronological and this is all in canon with all the Mad Max movies, the first Mad Max movie took, take, took takes place basically in the present time. I think it's supposed to be set a little bit in the future and things are sort of starting to go to shit. And then the second movie, I think, moves a little forward and the Thunderdome is after a nuclear, there's a nuclear war. So this one, I mean, at most, maybe 20 years later, I mean, however old, you know, 20, 25 years later, would everybody be mutated? Would every, would the, would there be all these problems? Would everybody suddenly just, that's, that's also a great point that it, it, it just, it doesn't exactly make sense. But I guess you could just take this movie and say, ah, you know, it exists. It yeah. exists of itself. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that exists. Yeah. It, it's, that's something that really drove me kind of nuts though. Cause I, I felt like, all right, Australia, nuclear war, Max was a cop. Explain the Doof Warrior to me. Uh, and I know that like George Miller is giving like these extensive interviews where he said like the Doof Warrior was supposed to have his own uh his own like comic book origin story where he's like wearing the skin of his victims. I'm like, who where the fuck did all this when did all this happen? You know, like I just uh, yeah, it's it I'm glad you mentioned it because that was that was something I kept coming back to last night. As I was watching it, it was like, this is just fucking weird. And also, so there are these five stunning women that are Joe's brides in a world where literally everybody looks like a sideshow. Right. And where did he find these five women from? Where did the, I mean, I, I could have bought if they were all a little deformed or one of them had the chicken hand or something. I don't know. But <laughs> they were all, one had a hand like Charlize Theron and Jim Abbott. <laughs> they were all Victoria's secret angels. And yes. in this world of just, utter, and, and again, I get the visual point that they were trying to make and they were supposed to really stand out and whatever, but it's just so ridiculous. And, and by the way, and I, Kevin, I think you made this point too. Charlize still looks stunning. Like mm-hmm. they try to make her dirty and cut her hair and whatever and take her arm off, but she still 
gorgeous. Like, you can't ignore the fact that she's gorgeous. The only film that they were able to successfully do that is Monster. Monster, yeah. Well, Other she, than yeah, that, yeah. And she went out of her way to change her appearance. She didn't go out of her way to change her appearance no. in this movie. No. She, like she, 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 she went to the, exactly. She went to the barber, got a number one on the side. Right. And goes, all right, let's go, ready. I kind of wonder, like, if there was a studio, if that was maybe, like, one of the few things the studio got involved with. It's like, no, 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 this has got to be a franchise. There's going to be another one. There's going to be, because not long after this came out, they said that they were going to do a Furiosa standalone. So I kind of wonder if that, if that's. And it's going to be a prequel. So you might find out whether the metal arm was true earned or whether she was, she she was born with it. Yeah. But here's the, here's the answer. I don't care. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and you know what? The further you get away from this movie, I think less people are, and less people are going to care because the, the connection to this movie just isn't that great. No, 2015 feels like a lifetime ago. Like it's oh, an entirely different world. Absolutely. So, you know, this is like th- this is like this is like Ocean's Eight in the sense of they there's nothing really that ties in with the franchise except for the name Mad Max and oh his name just happens to be Max. Like Sandra Bullock's name was fucking Ocean, but what ha- what it tied in with Ocean's Eight, one or two cameos? No, it was if they was made it as a yeah. standalone film, like. Furiosa, call it that, and it's a story of her instead of, and then Mad Max is Joe from fucking, you know, Melbourne or some shit like that. Right, different ball. I mean, do people are there that many ardent Mad Max fans still to this day? I don't know any film critics. I, you know, I think I think True. there's a lot of people in our kind of in our generation that remember those movies fondly, and they're, they they were significant movies in their in their own way, but. I think you're right. I think if you just made this movie and just called it, you know, Dustland or something, or I don't know, Guzzoline. Guzzoline. Oh my God, that's perfect. Or Yahoo Sirius's, Yahoo Sirius Returns. Young Einstein, I, I, too. That's it. I think the movie probably would have done just as well with Tom Hardy and Charlize attached to it. Making it mad. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know that what? there was. There's definitely a question of like why is it the Mad Max film, especially when Miller was adamant that it's a standalone movie that you didn't need to see the other ones. Right. Uh, and so like one of the things that really drove me crazy is when the film came out, people were like, "Fuck you, Marvel! This is an IP. This is original." I'm like, "No, it's not." There were three films in the '80s starring Mel Gibson. Like this is previous IP, but yeah, they wanted to right. hold it up like this is uh, original thing. But, yeah, right. it, it probably would have done just as well. And my final point, and this goes a little further back into the movie. That sandstorm would have killed Max when he got thrown off of those oh, that yeah. car doing eighty whatever miles an hour. He would have been dead. There's no way he would have survived that, and then the storm, and then everything else. That just that that was that was a step too far. These 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 aren't superhuman characters, but they did set up a lot of interesting characters that they gave no background to, which would have been. I thought I I thought the Immortal whatever they called him Joe. He's that was a very interesting character. How he created this cult, how he created this fanaticism around him. I would have liked to see that movie, but this was a lot of really cool car chases, a very cool looking movie with just not a lot else behind it, unless you're willing to stretch into BJ's point of all these other themes and meanings, which I don't go to see a movie like this for. I don't want to see Mad Max because I want to think about environmentalism and the patriarchy. I see Mad Max because I want to see cool cars and shit getting blown up in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, Not everything has to be a thing. Not everything has to be a thing. It could just you could just go and see a film where things blow up for two hours. 
Right. And by the way, the point about, well, this isn't Mad Max. It was a Furiosa movie and it was all about her and blah, 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 blah. But you didn't make either of them interesting. Neither of the sure. characters were interesting. Like, I really didn't care about her because you didn't really give her any background or any any. There, 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 she wasn't there was no expense on her there was no she there was no it seemed like there was no risk she wasn't risking anything and max was just this guy that happened to be there and he you never gave us anything to really care about so the movie just didn't have a lot for me but i really do like cars <laughs> and this, <laughs> a lot of that so i i i was watching the movie and i kept thinking i really don't like this movie and yet i'm enjoying it because I like watching cars chase each other and cool shit like that. So it was it, when the movie ended, I was like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. So I don't know where I was. And the, and the hardest part of for me is to uh, like BJ struggled with is coming up with a score because I'll probably never watch this movie again. Probably. But I didn't, but I didn't hate it watching it last night. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to give this. A five. Jesus Christ. I know. And it, is, feels, it feels like a that feels like I'm, I'm pussing out because it's just such a it's such a. No, middle. no, no, no. I'm, I'm not Jesus Christing that. I'm Jesus Christing. I gave it a four and a half. You gave it a five. The guy who picked this fucking film to take apart gave it a six. That's what I'm shocked most about about That's this. Funny. About this uh, progression here of scores. So four and a half, five, six. Yeah. And by the way, this fails the remote test viciously. BJ, the remote test is simple. Any, at any point in time, you were to stumble upon this film on a cable channel, channel, excuse me, and you're, you drop the remote and go, this is, I'm, I know what I'm doing for the next 45 minutes, hour and a half, whatever. Not any point in this film am I going, yep, I'm locked down for the next X time. No chance. Never watching this again. So when you actually you picked it, I go, boy, I didn't dig it the first time. I know it was beautiful. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I could, you know, eh. nope. nope. I would say, I would say for the remote test, uh, I would watch it on edibles again. <laughs> I absolutely and would. To, and if you need to watch a movie on drugs or booze, it's not a good movie. Yes, see, that's, true. See, that's true. See example 1A, Kevin Israel's favorite, 2001, A Space Odyssey. <sighs> Don't get me started. Don't. Don't I do. don't have to. Critics, <laughs> five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. It's hard to see another movie equaling this one's grand ambition. Deep ideas and awe-inspiring action. I had my palm raised to the universe the second Charlize Theron's Furioso took control of that big rig and led the charge across the desert. No, you didn't. You'll have to watch it to see how it took us to new heights of energetic, ambitious, emotionally resonant, intelligent, exhilarating, and political filmmaking. If I were to read that review before I saw this, I go, nope. I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> too, too much soapbox for my liking. Thank you. Mad Max Fury, Fury Road will be the film to beat for a long time coming and the new high watermark against which to judge action, action and blockbuster filmmaking. This is quite simply how it's done. Critics, one star reviews. Critics, one star. Critics, one star reviews. In a film with such a strong female lead, how could George Miller write such thoroughly 
forgettable supporting characters. Also, how in the hell is Zoe Kravitz the sole black person in this future Earth? That's- how how about there are seven people in the majority of this film, and Zoe Kravitz is one of them. So yeah, the odds, yeah, man, I don't know. That's I would, not I would that, say that, that, that I, I was you know that's that is something that when I was taking notes on the film, I was like everybody's white, and I get that it's Australia, but Australia has a big. Um, Indigenous, indigenous population. population. Aborigines and, call them. Uh, that's what they are. But yeah. yeah so yeah. I was, yeah, it's especially in 2015, it, it was a little, it, it's a bit, I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair criticism. Right? Yeah, but if they're, but they're, hold on. We didn't, if we saw specific shots of the crowd, you know, when they're True. gathered, gathered for water and you didn't see black people, I'm a hundred percent agree with you. But when there's seven people in the cab and it's just one's black, is that, is that a bridge too far? I don't think so. I don't think it's that crazy. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if Immortan Joe, who was white, was like, I blonde only hair. Want, I, I only want and which which actually would yeah. kind of defeat my argument as already because she was there. But I only want beautiful white wives like that could have been it's one, true. Of his, one of his positions. And that's, you know, that's why he found like a light skinned black girl. But he would have had to make that point. So now I'm just theorizing about a movie that I didn't care about to begin with. If you're a hardcore computer gamer inured to marathon sessions of annihilation while being pulverized by death metal from wall-to-wall speaker stacks, this may be the movie for you. For myself, not so much. (laughs) Ever, even the wondrously choreographed stunting that keeps everything flying, flipping, careening, and cartwheeling in every direction starts to look like some demented Cirque du Soleil performance with a demolition derby theme after a while. I like that. Fair, which actually Cirque du Soleil did help train some of the actors in this film. If That was another bonus fun fact. If you want to see stuff blowing up for two hours straight and don't care about a story or character development, then this is the movie for you. But I need a lot more out of the film. Yeah, Kevin Israel and I love those films, but we love those films a lot more than we love this one. See, yeah, and, it, and if they were just going to make a big chase movie, this movie could have been an hour and 15 minutes. Yep. And it might have been this movie might have run a lot better. But they worked in all this boring. The whole thing where they sat in the desert once they got to the to the other women at night. Yeah, that just was dragged. Awesome. Yeah. Dragged. Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Before watching this movie, I used to type like a normal person. Then I watched Mad Max. Fury Road, and now I can type only in caps. I barely have time for punctuation, and I cannot check my spelling errors. Now on my head 24-7, I hear revving engines and dum da dum da dum bum music in my head. This music will not only knock your socks off, it will light them on fire, then blow them up. This movie is the most metal. This movie has, the most, has so much testosterone that I feel like a young boy reaching puberty every time I watch it. I am a grown woman. Signed, Elliot Page. Was any of that real? All that, but the Elliot Page part. <laughs> but, but, but who wrote that? The guy who used to write the fucking monster truck. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Here comes Grave Digger, Grave Digger, Grave Digger. Oh, that's big fun. Parental content. We are always sensitive to movie slash TV show content since our kids may want to watch with us or simply walk through the room. Overall, this is a clean movie, even with an R rating. I can't re- remember any profanity. There is a brief nursing mother scene within 10 minutes of the movie that is kind of a shocker and an eyeful. Later in the movie, a naked lady in the cage. Later in the movie, a naked lady in a cage. 
But special effects had her hair hanging and covering her parts well, or there was some CGI blurring or something. You see no true nudity in this scene. Almost all the deaths are almost all the deaths, excuse me, are bloodless almost. The goriest part is when the bad guy gets his, but even that scene is a quick flash, very quick, and a flash of gore blood. His remains aren't shown but kept off screen. Totally proved a very good movie can be created without all that content that parents may be concerned about their kids seeing. Signed, Tara Patrick. <laughs> that sounds crazy to me. Did, like, did like some Bible group leader, <laughs> yeah, did they I, write reviews for all the movies? <laughs> this next one's very long, but as I tell you, it's very worth it. Uh, my husband and I saw the, I'm sorry. I skipped one taste in movies is up to you. I like this film. I have a full ATMOS 7.2.4 system with 13 discrete amps, Denon 3600 X receiver, Panasonic 820 blue Dolby blue vision, Blu-ray 4k UHD player and fully wired high end hi-fi speakers properly placed and set up. The uncompressed sound is absolutely atmospheric. The entire room is alive and throughout the film crystal clear. Extreme dynamic range from whispers to almost painful impact is excitingly better than the IMAX theatrical release and features smoother fidelity than Dolby Dolby theaters, which are the best public auditoriums when it comes to experiencing soundtracks to the utmost. Even in Blu-ray, I have read by reputable sources that the 4K UHD disc looks saturated and has the exact 7.1 true HD Atmos soundtrack. The visuals are gorgeous and and detailed on my LG 75-inch Level 9 full array. I can only imagine how excellent it must look on an OLED screen hopefully soon. Signed, California homeless man living under a freeway. You think that's how he picks up girls by telling them about his his home theater system? Yep. This guy is a monster <laughs> flat out. No, no bullshit monster. Hey baby, you like Dolby sound? I can't wait to film your snuff video in fucking 1080pi. <laughs> bullshit. Oh my god. Okay. My husband saw this in the theater with coworkers. They sometimes see movie together, movies together during the day. And he could not say enough great things about Mad Max Fury Road. I decided to wait and see it when it came out on Blu-ray, since I knew we'd want to own it anyway. I waited for release day, but I worried I would feel disappointed, as I sometimes do after my husband raves after a movie. Expectations set too high, I suppose. Well, I found this to be one of the best movies I have ever seen. Period. Just amazing. I, I bet that this woman's husband watches this in a motel room after him and his coworkers have motel sex. Cause that's the excuse you would give. We're going to the quote unquote, we're going to the movies together as a coworker. I was going to say clearly he and his buddies are government workers. Because they're going to see movies. I, I love that she completely, she completely threw him under the bus. I know. <laughs> I know. My husband who works for the D, the, 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 <laughs> the DNV in Washington Dan, could you State. come into my office? I need to talk to you about a review I just read by your wife. <laughs> I do not see the need to review the art of a movie on a store site because that is subjective. Although a lot of the negative opinions seem to be from people used to the more formulaic modern style of summer blockbusters, like the superhero movies showing people have some kind of life-changing experience, starting their, start their journeys or careers, and then fight villains, form a team, and have shoehorned love stories. Because of all this commonality, the audiences have skewed ideas of what they call character development and plot. Character development and plot can be structured in various ways, and this movie does, ha- does have that along with a more direct storyline, like movies specifically without battles. The position and positioning of this movie 
as a prominent summer summer blockbuster only brought it more exposure to people who normally wouldn't have cared about this. They just didn't care. They just didn't care about the early Mad Max films. This is proven by the contrasting other hit movies of the season, like Pitch Perfect Two and the Fast and the Furious and Avengers sequels. These are polished and chippy, and this is grungy, dirty um, Australian cult cinema. <sighs> Is it though? Like it looks pretty slickly produced to me. That's a long. That guy must be writing a long review from working at the DMV again <laughs> from the review before. Okay, Amazon. See, go ahead. You sorry, see that, you, that you see that slam though at, at the Marvel films, right? Yes. Like that was the big thing with Mad Max when it came out. Oh, I forgot to write. Signed, Martin Scorsese. These people are the worst. Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon one-star reviews. Here come the Amazon one-star reviews. One of the worst movies ever made. One of the few movies I couldn't even watch to finish. It was so bad. I looked at the time left thinking I had been watching for hours. Liar. And it was only 45 minutes into this debacle of a screenplay. The entire Mad Max series went downhill sequel after sequel. They should have stopped at three, throwing Tina Turner in the mix at the end of the franchise. And this paltry follow on, they mean follow up, without Mel Gibson, took it off the rails completely. They drive it to a place and then drive back. Like, no joke. That's pretty much it. So it's one. So it's one big U-turn. Nope. That's the best review you've read of any of these movies that is absolute that's dead on they drive somewhere and then drive back <laughs> it's like chevy chase and european vacation look kids parlor and big ben i can't get left <laughs> i can't get left out of the gate it wasn't like the old mad max the main character is pretty hard to relate to as he bites the head off a two-headed lizard minimal character development the mo- movie seemed very dark possibly satanic I wanted to like it, but once they showed the human breast milk station, my dad and I shut it off. I watched the documentary Out of the Shadows the next day, which helped me understand that there is a satanic culture in Hollywood that drives the moral tone of much of today's cinema. My question, did the dad turn turn to the writer of this review and say, your mother and I do that while you write Amazon reviews? I call your mother the human milk station. Okay. Could not follow with the story. I wish I, by the way, I don't edit BJ could not follow the story. I with, I could get my money back. Five women needs to be saved. Oh, well, stupid. Sign Neil deGrasse Tyson. Would you believe that? (laughs) Google linked me to this stupid black and white version. This is so stupid. Like it's not 1930 anymore. Why would I have to watch something in black and white? Like, why would I have a pistachio ice cream? No one eats that anymore. Like I said, it's not 1930. There was a black and white version? Yeah, that's yeah, the one was. I watched. That's Did the one really? I watched for the review. I didn't know it was black and white. I just I just went to Mad Max for your It was on Amazon Prime. I clicked rent. I went about my business like a grown ass man does. Uh, and then <laughs> later I sat down to watch it, and it was in black and white. Yeah, so you missed the whole cinematography portion of this then. <laughs> See, you would not have given a six if you watched the version we did. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, you might have given a higher number then. For, take that back. Okay, next one, Kevin Israel. This is for you. 
It's trash. That's all I can really talk about. That's all I can really say about it. The story plot is really weak and disappointing. What does not make sense is that the plot does not really follow the man, the main character, Max. It follows the other characters, which is just bad writing. The plot also has little bits of Jewish subliminal messages in it with feminist propaganda and tops, tops it off, excuse me, with SW, SJW sprinkles here and there. As I said in the beginning, it is a trash movie. The plot is weak and the writers did not put a lot of effort into it. Signed, Mr. Belvedere. I desperately want to know what are the Jewish yeah, tones to this movie. I miss every one of them. <laughs> it's got to be the Doof Warrior. The what? Wait, what'd, you, what'd you say, BJ? It's got to be the Doof Warrior. Flaming guitar. <laughs> Kiss. Very Jewish. They Nothing are. is more Jewish than Kiss. Oof. <laughs> Two Jews starting metal know. band. What, they, what could possibly be any Jewish? Anyway. anyway. I'm gonna have to. Go. I love, go. I love the soapbox, man. The, 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 these motherfuckers and their, and their, and their agendas in their head just mystify me with, with the nonsense they spew. Any, any keyhole that they can find, they try and shoehorn a whole manifesto, and you're like, stop it. No, there's. Why am I discussing trolls? Oh, I, I'm really curious to know what a Jewish. I found out what it is. Like. You found <laughs> it already. Yeah, I'm all ears. So they're saying this is like the story of Moses and he's leading these people out away from the conquerors, from the from the enslavers to, you know, the promised land. That's the that's what it is. And you could have put 50,000 monkeys with typewriters in a room and then none of those would have come up with that fucking plot line. I, I You mean they, they do know Moses got lost, right? Like that, that would have been a way for better, 40 days, way. right? Yeah, that would have been didn't go back. Time. That's yeah. right. <laughs> did I miss the part? Did, did I miss the part they had bread on their backs and baking it as they walked? He had a tattoo on his back with his blood type. <laughs> we're, we're, oh. Kevin Israel, did BJ Mendelssohn gut the sacred cow? You know, the, here's this, this is a weird situation. Because I think the cow was gutted, but I don't know if it was by BJ. <laughs> Are you saying that you and I did a, a, thorough, a more thorough of a I, job? You know what? No, I'm not taking it. I don't want to take anything away from BJ because he made a, a fantastic arguments. But sure. I feel like this might have been a, a, a three man. Like this was like one of those old rap video, video kickdowns where we're all like just stomping at the camera. And I think we I think we all did it. So I will leave it at this. I believe the cow was gutted. Wow. But not assigning responsibility. No, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, listen. I'll give him contributing credit, but I think, I think this was <laughs> that works. That's all I, I ask. You can give him a writing credit, but not yeah. executive producer or directed yeah. by. That's good. Yeah. yeah, he he gets a featuring. <laughs> oh my god, a walk on! How insulting! <laughs> You're the worst. Okay. I'm happy with a story by credit. Also, uh, I, I listen. I give you full credit. That that has to be one of the most scientific, analytical arguments we've seen since. The gal, I'm blanking on her name, the one who did Interstellar, oh. who was an oh. actual, who was an actual fucking physicist. Rocket, yeah, she's a rocket scientist. <laughs> she's a physicist who destroyed Interstellar. Not nice. that we needed some, not that we need someone of expertise. It was the, nice uh, though. Blonde. Um, Alice was her first name. I forgot yeah. her last name. But yeah, she methodically, you know, just dissected Interstellar again. Nice to have it. Did a great job. That film hung itself by its own entrails. I will say that. Fair. BJ, BJ Mendelson, where can we find you? What are you up to? Yeah, uh, like I said, there's two new pages of She-Hulk comic 
that's running every month on my website over at bjmendelson.com. Uh, that'll be going well into like 2022, 2023. So that's the thing to go and check out. Plus, they've got TV scripts up up there for uh, Spider-Man White Rabbit, which is if you've ever wanted to see an adult version of Spider-Man and his amazing friends, you can go check oh. it out. Yeah, so that that's up there. Uh, we got American Dad. There's a spec script up there for that. Uh, and then there's like an original series up there, which is less exciting, but still funny. So yeah, all bjmendelson.com. How does Firestar handle Iceman's uh, ice dick? Oh, well, you got to read it to find out. <laughs> I used to, I watch, that's on Disney Plus, by the way. Fight, yes. Spider-Man is amazing. And yeah, I, and I, all, yeah, all that stuff. And I, and I banged through them all because I remember watching it as a kid. And KevinGoatee.com. Actually, well, I'll go first. KevinIsrael.com. That's where you find him and all his dates. Uh, check him out, KevinIsrael.com. KevinGoatee.com for my NFL picks. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll find my daughter eating some kind of special treat every Sunday morning as I give my NFL picks. As you hear this, I am currently 12 and 6 for the year against the spread, having a monster year so far. KevinGoatee.com. More importantly, guttingthesacredcow.com. We find us, all the links to the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Pretty, pretty pleased with sugar on top. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, two or three sentence review uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and if you're looking to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. BJ Mendelson, thanks for joining the podcast. You have been a delight. Thanks Take care, folks. Me. Yeah, man. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.